Hey everybody, it's Mark Thompson, and this is the Chief Executive Summit. We've had the privilege of hanging out with some of the most extraordinary CEOs and leaders around the world, entrepreneurs, and this week we're with some of the most extraordinary Chief Human Resources Officers and Talent Managers. And I can't wait to share with you this inspiring conversation that you're going to hear about the future of leadership in one of the most innovative centers on earth. And now without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the stage a New York Times best-selling author. He is a leadership coach for the world's fastest growing, most innovative companies in the world. And he has been called the Midas Touch by Forbes magazine. Please help me welcome Dr. Mark C. Thompson. This feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on. All from my city. Thank you so much. Thank you. Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. And I think we should just take one more moment to recognize the efforts of QA and they're bringing together everyone around expertise and this profession. Can we give them another big round of applause, please? And I, and I have to say that I'm also excited because when I had the opportunity to read about all of you as delegates, I was profoundly moved by the, the role that you're playing in organizations today because you're at the very center of change and transformation. I can't think of a time in history where your role hasn't had the opportunity to have greater impact on history. And in fact, if you think about it this way, the, the leaders of the world are looking to you to transform their leadership teams. So let's get a show of hands. How many of you are actually involved in some change management in your organization right now? Of course you are. There's hardly a person who isn't at the center of transformation. And so when we think about transformation as an at an organizational level, we have to also think about it at an individual level. Gandhi was right. The change we seek starts with us. We have to be the change we wish to see. When have, has there ever been a time when transformation didn't require us to become better people and take our work to the next natural level? So when I think about your role, the hard work you're doing for transformation, I have to ask you a personal question because leadership has become a more personal thing than ever before. And to ask you a personal question, since we're just meeting each other for the first time to be more appropriate, could we all stand for a moment here, if you're able to stand? Could you just stand up for a moment? I want to ask you a personal question. And here's the personal question. And, and the good news about this question is, it'll give you a little more insight into yourself. I'll learn something more about you and it won't be the least bit creepy. This will be a, an opportunity, I think, with many people that you meet for the first time, you ask this, que this question and you'll learn so much more about them. And so here's the question. Who do you admire? Think about a person in your life, your work, who's touched you. Not a person in history, not a person distant. These are also admirable people. I'm talking about someone who's had an, an impact at reaching you and touching you deeply. Can you get a picture of their face? 
in your heart right now? That person that you admire? Now let's take it a step further. Can you picture what it is about that person that you admire? What are the traits of that person that make them so special to you? Was our success just due to our own efforts? Or did it have something to do with that person? Did they have an impact on your life? If that person, let's say they're in your present or in your past, somehow was floating down the staircase into this room, do you think you could take a moment of appreciation and make a noise so loud in here through applause or a shout of appreciation for that spirit and that person? Do you think you could do that at the count of three? I know this is a very personal thing to do. One, two, three, go! How do we feel about the people who've had an impact and that we admire? Please be seated. So the interesting thing about this brief part of the experience, and we'll be digging into it much deeper on Thursday, is that when you think about the traits of the person you admire, it's not just about the person you admire, is it? That, those traits are reaching into your heart, your soul, and your mind as to values you share with that person, and frankly, what you might aspire yourself to become. Wouldn't you like to be more that, like the person that you admire? So what does it have to do with a business context? Everything. Because who we admire is what we want to bring out in the people that you're serving, in their hearts and minds, the people that we're touching. Because the people that we admire reflect values and skills that you aspire to achieve. I'm just going to put a couple of familiar faces up here. You're about to have the gift of meeting His Excellency in a moment. And let me just tell you a couple of reasons why, for me, he has the traits of leadership and admiration, because he's a person who brings people together regardless of their backgrounds, regardless of where they are in the organization or within the government or outside, to bring them together to a common cause. How many people do you meet that want to work for an outcome that's shared? as opposed to just my outcome. An outcome of generosity, of caring and love. He doesn't have to do this. It's because he believes in this mission and he wants to bring everyone together to share in its success, to own that success together. And that young lady over there, well, that's my daughter, Vanessa Thompson, 22, Gen Z, ends up She's my guru, because when I feel that in my work, I'm not able to help somebody get better. See, the, the job that I have is wonderful. I just want you to have a better life. And when you have a better life, you make the lives of everyone else better. So when I can't do that, I'll go to my, my daughter and I'll rant. I'll say, I, I'm not able to help this person. And she says, Dad, wait, wait, wait. Remember, what we do in life is bring the best of ourselves the best contribution, the best impact that we can possibly have. The outcome is up to them. You can see why she's the adult supervision in the room when I'm with my daughter. So when I think about admiration, and I think about the traits of people that we admire, we do a survey every year of what it really takes to be a leader of this new century, to be able to drive transformation from hearts, souls, and minds. So we do a global survey. We've done this on every continent for the last 10 years. This year, we had the privilege of including the executive office here in Abu Dhabi. And what that means is that we were able to ask number one, minus one, minus two, 
what were some of the traits of, of leadership that we could all aspire to achieve? And I'd like to give you a quick run through of that list. Is that okay with you? Let's, let's run through that list because it's really interesting. The first thing that came up this year was alignment. How do we get everyone in the organization to own the outcomes and believe in those outcomes and feel those outcomes? I have a picture of Venus Williams. I have the privilege of working with amazing people around the world, some ex-athletes who've become great business leaders. They have coaches. And one of the coaches for Venus and Serena is now me. I can't play tennis. I was never asked to participate in any sport. But she is learning how to create alignment in those companies because she's in an individual sport. How does she bring that across organizations? Another example in the public sector would be the World Bank. I worked with Jim Kim when he was CEO of the World Bank and Kristalina before she became CEO of the International Monetary Fund. In a world that's falling apart, do we fall together? Or do we choose to fall apart? That's what we mean about accountability and alignment. Decision-making is another key area that, that we admire in people who are able to build a future for an organization. And I have the privilege of working with the KSA right now in a number of different ministries, including the, His Highness assigning His Excellency Al-Zamil to this new role. And he's really trying to help distribute decision-making capacity. I mean, we all want buy-in. We also want strong leaders. How do we not make that congestion? in an organization that takes you to the top. Benita Thompson, who you'll meet on Thursday, did a study on collaboration. And one of the things that she learned that was interesting about character and integrity is that you can work with somebody you don't like. You can work with a person who's unkind to you. Happens all the time, right? But the moment you can't trust them, engagement is over. You can work with people who you don't like, but you can't work with people that you don't trust. And so how do we role model being trustworthy? Resilience. The world's in a spin, and we're helping create the spin because we're pushing change and the volatility. So resilience is a fundamental skill. I work with uh, Disney and Pixar, which is in my neighborhood in California. How do we move hearts and minds to bring people back to the topic that we're trying to solve? How do we help people solve problems when the world seems it's in disarray and there's so much change? Succession planning. We're all involved in succession planning, but the issue is when we take a person from one role and we put them into the next role, how is it that we're helping the team believe in that person? How can it be that she or he is a leader worthy of following. Embracing change is an extension of this accountability and engagement. We're gonna do a deep dive on Thursday morning on how to manage change. Because the question is, most of us as leaders don't ever get trained in collaboration. How did we learn how to collaborate? Was it in school? <laughs> Trial and error. Wait, that's one of the most mission critical things that we do, and we learn it through painful experience. Let's do it on purpose. Let's learn to collaborate for a great reason. Everybody talks about innovation, and I don't know about you, everybody's in favor of change, as long as it doesn't have too much to do with me. <laughs> you change first. I'm in favor of that kind of change. Well, I am very proud that I went to school at Stanford. I started the Stanford Venture Design Lab. We incubated great companies. Amazon came out of there, Google, Pinterest more recently, my friend Evan Sharp, 
Now, it's great to go to school. We learn a lot in school. We often, frequently, I take people back to Harvard and Stanford where I teach regularly. But do you think behavior change happens in a classroom? So, I really truly believe, and this is something that His Excellency practices, I've watched him travel the world, he's out there meeting individuals who are driving change. Peers, people who are running organizations, people who are running businesses, people who are making change happen. Coaching really is best one-to-one, -one, and it's best when it's with our peers, with people that we trust and know who have been, been down that hard road in a new way. So to the extent that you can engage in programming with leadership development that allows you to take advantage of those one-on-one -on -one connections, if you're able to come visit us in Europe or in the US, I want you to go meet these people. I want you to have the opportunity to hear their hard-won experience. It takes courage to make yourself vulnerable to change and getting better at what you do. I'm always very inspired by people who decide to be coached and then, in so doing, become so much better than you could ever possibly be in any other way. Richard Branson has 400 companies in the Virgin Group. 400 companies. That means 400 CEOs, management teams, 400 boards, 400 CHROs. You can imagine. And in each of those businesses, he gets lots of credit for creating something from scratch. He never creates something from scratch. He says it's too easy in almost any field of service to humanity to lose the plot, is how he puts it. We forget why we're serving that customer. We forget why we're serving that citizen. How do we reconnect and re-energize that relationship with the customer? Every one of his 400 companies is a reinvention of an existing business. Nothing from scratch, all reconnecting to that original mojo that that entrepreneur had that made life better for you and for you and for you. And he says there's never an end to the number of businesses and governments that could do better at serving you and you and you. And as long as that's true, it's about us engaging in the process of getting better and getting coached. Thanks for listening to the Chief Executive Podcast. I'm Mark Thompson, and please don't forget to like and subscribe for more episodes every week.